Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Michigan at Notre Dame. Marco, what should betters be thinking about? Both teams come off wins. Which one was more impressive? I say it was Michigan. <laughs> Is that your Mr. Roboto imitation? That's Both it. teams off win. <laughs> All right, so Michigan's more impressive. All right, so does that mean you have an opinion on Michigan? We have an opinion on this game. And what I saw from watching both games last week is Michigan, this is year three of the Rich Rodriguez coaching uh, in uh, tenure. Tenure, there we go, thank you. And what I saw is he's finally got a quarterback that can replicate what he had at West Virginia with Pat White. And Robinson, he kept it under wraps, who he was going to start all week. But what I saw, they can run his whole offense now. And they were handcuffed in the first two seasons because he was still dealing with Lloyd Carr's players. To me, this is a, a perfect example of the balance a handicapper has to have between taking into account what he sees in a given week and not overreacting. The, sometimes the best thing you can do is do the opposite of what a loser does, and what a loser does is he jumps, he overreacts. A team wins by 30, they're great. They lose by 30, they're horrible. Right. But in truth... With turnovers and other random factors, that in in any short period of time, you look at you know the Steeler team that won the Super Bowl two years ago, uh, or the team in 2005 lost five games in a row in the middle of the season. If you would have said this is the Super Bowl champion, you would have been hard pressed to think that. And and that's just one example of many. So Michigan was a three point favorite at home in the Big House, one of the best home field advantages in college football. Against Connecticut. This, I'll be honest with you, when I saw that line last week, I was tempted to go to the Connecticut side because it was a line that when you look at it is, and I like to use the term, you know, Joe Public, they're going to say, my God, Michigan at home playing a field goal, that's a gift. Clearly, they were looking for Michigan action. The, book, the books were wrong wanting that action. But my point being, this was a team, Michigan, that no one was high on. Now, are we over? Are you? Because I'm not. Are you overreacting to this performance? Not with what I saw in the offense, because this offense was crisp. They they ran the whole. It, I looked like I was watching West Virginia from three years ago when I saw Michigan on Saturday. I was impressed. Now, granted, Connecticut's not Notre Dame, but I still think that the odds maker is going to take a while to adjust, and I think there's still going to be value with the Michigan side in the next week or two. Now, if they go into Notre Dame and win big, you can forget about value. It'll be out the door because Vegas will over-adjust. And that's the balance because you don't want to overreact to short term, but you want to get ahead of the trends. If a team really is good, you want to be ahead of the public realizing it. And, And this is a rare case you're saying where one game has really caused you to do a 180. Absolutely. Now, the scouts are saying that the O-line played particularly well, too, and we talked about that a lot last week, where it's just not the skill positions, especially early, early in the year. Continuity on the offensive line is very important, and they seem to play very well, too, based upon what I read. I agree. I, I was impressed. 
Purdue against Notre Dame last week, that was a game where Notre Dame jumped out early, but Purdue kept fighting and moving the ball. They shot themselves in the foot a few times, but I just wasn't as impressed watching Notre Dame in their first game as I was in watching Michigan, and I was watching both games last week. Before we get your uh, official projection in this game, um, or prediction is two uh, interesting trends. Notre Dame has only covered eight of 28 games at home. So this is a team we always talk about being a marquee team. There's a premium on them. Clearly at home, that's the case. Eight and 20 is, is quite extreme ATS. Number two, these have been high-scoring games, Michigan-Notre Dame. In fact, it's been five straight overs between these teams. And with the Michigan offense clicking and the Michigan defensive secondary being a weakness from what the scouts are saying, I think that I have a lean towards the over myself. Now, what's your uh, prediction? Well, my prediction is Michigan 31, Notre Dame 27. So I'm going with you on the high-scoring game. All right, then you might be right. You have a you have a fifty fifty four percent chance on my opinions of being right. Okay, fifty three point eight. All right, all right. Now it's your turn. You can continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and I. And next up, we're going to be talking Ohio State, Miami of Florida. Miami at Ohio State. Marco, what should sports betters be looking at in this game? Jim Tressel, I don't like as a favorite in a big game. Too conservative. Okay, you make a good point. We're, we're looking at over a touchdown favorite in this game. It's being hyped up as a battle of marquee teams, but in truth, Vegas looks at one of these teams to be much better. Absolutely. I mean, Ohio State's had all the hoopla coming in uh, with the high ranking. Uh, Terrell Pryor, you know, being a Heisman candidate, played well in the first game, but again, they played, you know, nobody played Marshall in the first game. They're going to see a much, you know, different defense. I mean, just on speed alone, the difference between Miami of Florida and a Marshall uh, defense is immense. But you still have that one thing about Jim Tressel. He, his coaching philosophy. He wins. He wins. But he play, he get to the fourth quarter and win the game in too, many, in too many times. Yeah, but he doesn't win by enough a lot of the time. That's, that's a, a problem. Point. That's a good point. I think there's a, a, a number of – I have a stronger opinion on this game, so I'll be giving a prediction. But I feel like there's a number of issues here. I think on one hand this speaks in the Ohio State preview we did last week to uh, a good situation for Ohio State in that they are good against good teams as much as – uh, those few marquee losses have skewed people's perception. They have covered eight of nine games against teams with a winning record. I mean, eight and one. This is winning teams. So on one hand, that makes me lean towards Ohio State. I think they're underrated against good teams and overrated against bad teams, which is part of that profile you were talking about. Everything else, though, falls on the Miami side for me. So I'm going to kind of take them off one at a time and get your feedback. This is the classic speed issue that Ohio State has against the very best teams. Though Miami is not, in my opinion, especially being an eight-and-a-half-point underdog, they're not one of the very best teams, but they have some of the attributes of a great team, which is blazing speed in the skill positions. And that's something that Ohio State, you know, that's the problem Ohio State has against the USC's, you know, years ago now. I like Mm -hmm. saying that, though, Mm -hmm. is... USC could match them up front, but beat them at the skill positions. 
Ohio State plays a lot of teams that might have them at the skill positions, but their dominance up front allows them to compensate. So in this case, I think Ohio State should be the favorite, rightfully so, because of that dominance on the line. But, boy, Miami is going to have that speed that might be a problem for the Ohio State defense. Thoughts? I agree with you. Speed is always an issue for Ohio State. Against the very best. Against the very best. But one thing that people are going to make a comparison to this game, and I think it'll be a mistake, is they're going to go back to Miami of Florida's bowl game last year because they played a Big Ten school in the bowl game, which was Wisconsin. And when you think about Big Ten football, you think more about power football when yeah. you're thinking about the elite teams. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people will say, well, Miami, you know, they couldn't handle that physicality of a Wisconsin, so how are they going to do that against Ohio State? The difference is playing a physical team in the beginning of the season is so much better than playing them later in the season when you're already started to be banged up. Okay, but is that the case in a bowl game when you have five or six weeks off? You have generally three to four weeks off with the championship games and everything else. They play late into the season. Miami wasn't in that game. Miami, they weren't in that game, but Miami played in Thanksgiving weekend. So this is the point where you might say, you know, RJ, you're making a you, good point. You've got a month, but you still have already played an entire season. So. All right, so I would agree with you. You're less beat up game one or game two than you are even in the bowl game. So I will agree with that. Okay. So you could have just said I agree with you, Marco. Well, no, I was making a distinct. Just I care about our audience so much that, that though you have a lot of wisdom to impart, I want to make sure that that, that that 2% of the time you make a mistake, I'm here to catch you. But, uh, right, love so you're, you're saying that Miami had a lot of trouble against the big brutes at Wisconsin in the bowl game. How is this different? What's going to be different is because they're fresh. It's the beginning of the year. Okay, they're that's fresh. the difference. Okay, next thing is if there's one place that having speed burners can help you, it's special teams. And this Ohio State team, according to the scouts, is very inexperienced in the special teams. I think there's a, a likely possibility of a big special teams play for Miami, which if you're getting eight and a half, nine points, and you get one special teams touchdown, you're probably going to cover that game. You are, but even if you don't get the one key play that gives you the touchdown, if you're constantly winning field position battles with, you know, they're punting and you're getting an extra 10 yards in field position because of your speed and your kick return, you keep short in the field and sooner or later you flip-flop the field for a score. Last point, Miami has an explosive, or at least a, a highly competent offense, is... They're very open for the back door. Even if this game goes the Ohio State way, they're up by four, you know, 14 points late. Is if, if Miami gets the ball with two and a half minutes left down by 14, they've got a better than average chance to backdoor this game, which I always – if you have a team that, that, that is not going to get blown off the field – and has the backdoor potential, and they're getting over a touchdown, to me that's a live dog. And flip it when the team you're playing, if the coach is up 14, he's more apt to run the ball three three times up the middle. you got a better chance of getting the ball back to get that backdoor. I would make this my best bet. I'm not. I have an NFL game I like more, which is coming up. But I'll tell you right now, the one thing is Ohio State being 8-1 and one against winning teams makes me like this but not love this game. I'm going to make my formal prediction. Ohio State, 24, Miami of Florida, 21. I think you're pretty close, sir. Right, well, there you go. You did win 25 straight games once. <laughs> All right, now it's your turn. 
to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and I. And next up, we're talking our game of the week, and it's Marco's best bet, which is going to be the Florida State-Oklahoma game. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Florida State at Oklahoma. This is our game of the week, which means we're going to go in-depth and really break this game down. Plus, it's Marco's best bet free pick of the week. So, Marco, what should the betters be looking at in this game? This is a game, public perception, and I'm going to take advantage of the public perception where we're going to get line value, and I'll explain that as we get into it. All right, so let's talk about it. On the Oklahoma side, what's the public perception? Oklahoma side is they're looking at last week and they're judging from one. They, when you say they're looking, the John public. Q public. John, Johnny Q. Johnny Q's looking at this game and all they see is Oklahoma was a huge favorite last week and they only won 31-24 to over Utah State. They're going to look on the flip side at Florida State, the first game for Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, and they won 59 to nothing. So knee-jerk reaction is Oklahoma's overrated and, well, and Florida this, State's this, better than people thought. This follows from last year. I mean, this is a team that, that what, had six wins last year but had three of the top five draft choices or some variation of that. So they've underperformed now, and they've underperformed in the biggest games uh, losing a number of BCS ga- uh, championship games in, in recent memory. So in general, this is affirming last week's under, underperformance is affirming people's doubts about Oklahoma in your mind. Right, which creates for me as a sharp better, I see value because the line's coming down because of that. The public wants the dog. They think Florida State's live, and I just feel that they're not. I, I feel that Florida State... You can't compare playing Samford and winning 59 nothing. that that's a true tell of what this team has to offer this year. All right, so now we're talking about Miami, and you're saying you, you, you think they're overrated. Florida State, you mean. Oh, we were just at the high State-Miami uh, game. So Florida State overrated. Absolutely. And what I, when we talked about this in one of our videos last week, you can rest assured that last week, whenever Bob Stoops was preparing for Utah State, a lot of the practices, they were thinking about the next week of playing Florida State as yeah, well. Yeah, that's fine, but, but that should, that's something that's going to be assumed in the line to some degree. Uh, and, I mean, they gave up 341 passing yards. I think this goes above and beyond, um, you know, not winning, not covering the point spread. I mean, it seemed like the case could be made they could have lost the game. So I'm not questioning your pick, but I'm, let's not be too – that's the thing people forget. The lines makers aren't dumb. Most lines are correct, and the ones that are incorrect are off by three points, four points at the most. That's all – you give me any – you give me three points, I'll let you pick all day with no juice, and I'll, I'll own everything you have soon enough. So it's a, it, we're talking field goals here. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but let's not just wave our hands and dismiss this Oklahoma. I mean, is this Oklahoma team, or team, they did have to disappoint you to some degree last week, right? You just think there's an overreaction. I think there's an overreaction. And what I like from a handicapping standpoint, and this is something when me and you talk we, we disagree about, and I talk about focus and intensity levels, when it, 
and again, we're going to use this term loosely, I'm still putting Oklahoma in the category of a good team. When good teams underperform, you're always going to get their best effort the next week because they're totally focused because the players, you know, I mean, it was a wake-up call. They almost lost to Utah State. The coaches are going to push them hard in practice all week, and it, it gives them the right to. The coach can say, you know, you guys are lackadaisical. You know, you're not focused. So they're going to drill all that. You're going to get that best week of preparation. Go back to Chuck Knoll, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every time they had a bad game, sloppy, what did you always hear? We're going back to basics, back to basics, and that's well, what it's about. You might, you might have heard that. Unfortunately, most of the listeners weren't born, but, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, if you listen to this guy, I'm 105 years old. I I'm the got, oldest handicapper got, in the got, business. you got massive experience. <laughs> and people are paying for the massive experience. Right, here's my point, though. I would agree with you if, if you had a piece of paper and you said, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is this team's motivation, focus level coming in the game? I agree with you that if it was going to be a 7, but the poor performance pushes it up to a 10, you've just gained something. But a Florida State-Oklahoma uh, type game, my point is it's going to be almost at 10 regardless, and the incremental gain of that poor, poor performance is less. But that's just a fundamental disagreement that we have about handicapping. You're, you, I would tend to agree with you if I was a, a watcher because this is what you do as well as anyone in the world. So, okay, so let, let's dig a little deeper here. I'm going to tell you some concerns because I'm actually thinking I'm going to want to bet Florida State here with you to save the juice. All right, Oklahoma, defensive tackle, Taylor, their only real stud coming back, hurt himself in the bowl game. Didn't play in the first game. He's probable coming in this game, but clearly first game back, doubt he's at 100%. So assuming that's the case, D-line, the studs on the D-line are something that the the John Q. public, as you say, do not properly take into account. Are you overlooking that? Uh, I'm not as concerned on the D-line as I would be on the O-line. Okay. But that's what's interesting. I was listening to uh, Chad Millman, our friend's podcast at ESPN, and he was talking about, uh, he had a guy on there, Alan Boston, who he wrote a book about, he's a pretty serious handicapper. He said, if the O-line's important, then that's because they're stopping the D-line. So the D-line has to be equally as important. And I think that's a good point, is there is a bias towards the O-line being more important. I think both are equally important, though I would say the continuity and, 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 and working together and all those early season factors may be less important on the D-line, but the D-line and O-line are of equal importance when it comes to ultimate performance. Would you agree with that? I will agree with that. Okay. Next question, playing devil's advocate. This OU team's underperformed, as I said, a little bit. Last year, it, it, I don't care about a few injuries. You look at that draft, what were they, what were they six and six? Before the bowl, uh, some very—I mean, this is a team that, that that was middle of the pack at best with 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 an all-star team of players. What's going on? I mean, there's got at some point there's got to be a meaning to this underperformance. Is it something you don't think is true, or you're overlooking in this case? There's no question that in the last few years, Oklahoma has not performed when it's got to the big games. I can't argue that fact. 
But I'm still looking at a situation where I'm looking at the current market, and I'm looking at people are overreacting to the market of Oklahoma, and really, Florida State didn't have a good team last year. And to get all excited in the first game with, with Jimbo Fisher because they ran over Samford. That's now you're no- making a good point. This is what we talked about this last week. Coach, first-year coaches increase expectation and typically underperform. I, I agree with you there. Last point, and I'm going to – well, first I'll make a quick point for Oklahoma, one quick stat. Oklahoma is 11 out of 14 ATS in September. So they do typically start fast, though, you know, last week with standing. All right, here's the little inside tidbit that I, I think is the game changer that I'm going to put some money on. All right, Florida State's new defensive coordinator, Mark Stoops, is the brother of Bob Stoops. So what you have is the brother, and this is back to what we talked about in the West Virginia game, where he has intimate, he, though he's never coached on the OU staff, his intimate knowledge of the way Bob does things. Now, that seems to be a big advantage of Florida State. How, is that something you accounted for, and is that, do you see it? Well, I guess the question is, all other things equal, do you see that as a disadvantage for Oklahoma? That would, that would be the one thing that I would give as a disadvantage to Oklahoma, but it's not enough to sway me off of the play. All right, give us your official prediction. I have Oklahoma winning 37-24. I think you're going to see offense because we definitely saw that both teams you know, can score Oklahoma, if they did give up that kind of passing yardage last week to Utah State, if I'm Florida State, I'm going to try to attack that secondary a little bit. That's one way they can stay in this ballgame. But when it's all said and done, I think Oklahoma State pulls away in the second half. I'm making it my game of the week, and I've got Oklahoma 37-24. Okay, Dustin, our producer, go, go to the head-to-head shot now. You ready? All right. So we're going to have our first bat of the 2010 season. We're taking the rubber bands out? We're taking the rubber bands out. I'll let you choose. We can put a nickel on it. Or we, if we put a nickel, I'm going to go get a nickel somewhere else. I'm playing a dime on this. If you want the dime, that's great. If you want the nickel, that's fine. But I'm taking Florida State here. Well, being that I've already got some money down on the game, I'll go with a nickel with you. And uh, I've already bet the game, so uh, I got Oklahoma. You look nervous. I am not nervous. This is... Um, uh, one of our friends. You had a losing year against me last year. Oh, it's been the talk in the forum. Is that been the talk in the forum? I must have missed that thread. <laughs> you have to send me the link after you start it. <laughs> All right, so we'll use the official line from 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 this uh, from this video. Okay, last thing. Now each week with our um, with our game of the week, we're also going to give a ten dollar coupon for pregamepros.com and. Each week, it will be in this one video that we're going even deeper into the handicap. So for this first week of NFL, why don't you well, hit us? it's the kickoff of the NFL, so we're going to make the coupon KICKOFF10. All one word, the word KICKOFF and the number 10. Just enter that coupon code when you check out, and you'll get $10 off any package that you want. And unfortunately for RJ, if the package only costs $10, he gets zero. <laughs> and then no more videos. <laughs> All right, now it's your turn to get involved and continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and I. And next up, we're going to be digging into three NFL games for this weekend. Indianapolis at Houston. This is my best bet free pick of the week. But first, Marco, what should betters be looking at in this game? 
Can you give you an old school reference? You remember Bum Phillips for the Houston uh, Oilers used to say against the Steelers, we keep knocking on the door, but we can't get through. We've got to knock it down. That's the question. Houston is the one team that's played the Colts tough, but they can't just get that win. This may be the year. All right. So you had an interesting stat when we did a little uh, talk before. Is What's Houston's straight-up record? Straight up against uh, the Colts. They've lost 15 of 16 against the Colts. And we're getting two and a half. Getting two and a half. Now, the last seven meetings, six of those seven have been decided by eight points or less. And that's why I gave the reference. They've been knocking on the door against this team, but they just can't. If you can remember, they've had some of the most incredible finishes to lose games against the Colts. Remember a few years ago they had like a double-digit lead late in the fourth quarter? Uh, Carr gets hit from behind, fumbles. Indianapolis ends up scoring two touchdowns in the final three minutes. to be. It's just crazy stuff. This is the team they got to get by. All right, so I'm going to get straight... I'm going to get straight to my best bet here is because really we've had already this week, we've had some really in-depth conversations, nuanced stuff. This is a simple hand. Sometimes it's simple. This is a simple handicap. There's two things making me like Houston here, and that's going to be my official best bet, my free pick best bet. I'm 1-0 on the year is right here on the videos is I'm going with Houston, but here's the distinction. It's a conditional best bet. It's a best bet at plus three. It's an opinion at two and a half. And for those out there in la-la land that just wants, hey, I want a best bet. I thought we had a best bet. Why are you saying it's a best bet, et cetera, et cetera? I can't wait to see how that looks on camera. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, what I can say is that's, uh, I'll be nice. That's not the way we do things here. Yeah. What we're about is finding spots. If you talk to any serious professional batter, what they're going to talk about is that their ability to line shop is almost as important or more important than their ability to handicap. Because in the end, those half points make all the difference. Three is worth 23 cents. 23 cents mathematically. If you lay 110 at two and a half, you should be willing to weigh, lay 133 at, at uh, well, it'd be vice versa. If you're laying at uh, minus three at minus 110, you should be willing to lay minus 133 at minus two and a half. 23 cents is over five percentage points in win. So if I could blindly lay two and a half every time it's three, I would hit over 55% without doing anything else. It's that simple. So, to me, this line was three earlier in the week. I believe that when the public gets it, now the fact it was bet down from three to two and a half, I think speaks to that the Sharps do like Houston in this case. So, well, let me let, have your opinion on that. Does that seem right to you, is that moving from three to two and a half before the public gets involved is a sign that, that Houston's the wise guy's side. Absolutely, because John Q. Public's not betting a Sunday football game on Tuesday. That, that's fact. And one thing we talked about a lot last year was that line. there's two types of line moves, a true position or trying to get ahead of a big move made by the public. It's hard to imagine that the, the wise guys believed that Houston was going to get steamed you know, down to pick them or something. They wanted to beat them to it. This feels like a legit move. But again, you can't follow a wise guy at the worst number and win. We're going to wait for the three. If we can't get the three, we're going to either make a small a recreational bat or we're going to pass the game. 
And, and that's something that the, the people who listen to the, hey, I want 67% and this game is going to win by 40 points, they don't get it. That half point is, it, off of three is the whole value here. And, and, and at three, I really like Houston. That's one is, is, is I think that we're getting great value at three. And here's why is I believe this Colts team simply is overrated. Is I think they're great. They're not quite as good as people think. I think we saw it a little bit in the Super Bowl. But let's be honest. How many times can you beat your head against Peyton Manning and get beat? Because I've gotten beat by him a lot because I've mm-hmm. thought they've been overrated for years. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm being stubborn about that. But the one thing, and, and I probably won't fade the Colts too much this year, but the one thing that makes me want to do it this week is the fact that the scouts are staying in the offensive line. There's a lack of continuity. And if the one main thing you have is Peyton Manning, no one can throw off their back, as they say. And I believe if the O-line is having trouble, this could be one of the stunning games where Houston seems to dominate, though that distinction of the O-line being a problem is what's going to make all the difference. Well, I will agree with you, and I'll give you another point that's a benefit for Houston in this game. The fact that they're catching Peyton Manning and the Colts in week one rather than later in the season, tremendous advantage for Houston, and here's why. Peyton Manning does not play much in the preseason. And I know we all say, these guys are professionals, they don't need the reps. They still need reps. They get their timing down. With what you point out with the offensive line and the minimal playing time that he had in the preseason, if there's any game that he's not going to be at his sharpest, it's game one. That's advantage to you. Last year, when they played here, I remember the game well because I happened to be on the losing side. I think my knuckle still hurts from hitting the wall. Houston blew a 17-0 lead in the game and once again found a way to lose the game. But this just could be the year they finally knock that door down. I like getting three, let's just say that. Okay, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with me and Marco. And next up, we're going to be talking Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Dallas at Washington. Marco, what should betters be looking at? Is Dallas Cowboys really the best team in the NFC? That's what most of the talking heads are saying. Well, I was on first take last week, and, and Dallas was the number one favorite uh, to w- when it came to Super Bowl odds, which really was uh, flummoxing, I think might be the right word. And uh, <laughs> their only favorite, I did a press release uh, this week, of how many games each team are favored in. The Colts are favored in 15 games uh, during the 16-game regular season. New Orleans, 15 games. Dallas, only 12. But Dallas is the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So it's either there's something about this team that makes you think they're going to overperform in the playoffs, which Wade Phillips, I find that to be unbelievable, or it's where the two markets are mispriced and things like over and under wins and things like the, 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 the projected lines. And some, some people will say, well, how do you know how much they're favored by with, with, you know, it's only week one. Certain sports books will put the line out for every game throughout the entire year. So I think there's a disconnect with this Cowboy team, and I think most certainly they're overrated. But go ahead. 
also, a lot of people are looking at Dallas the way they finished the season last year. Remember, they had that stretch in the middle of the season last year where they were underperforming, which seems to happen every year with a Wade Phillips. To get beat in the, the playoffs was that great finish? Well, it's not. Like, I get, as a Cowboy hater, I, I guess I'm pretty happy that's the expectation. Right. They, they get beat in the playoffs, but they did have a nice run to get to the playoffs. Um, thing is, I'm looking at this game. And if you look to last year, what's really changed on the Dallas Cowboy team? This is basically the same team. I, I don't think they've really upgraded that much. So I don't. A lot, a lot of talk about Des Bryant, which you, seems crazy to me. This is a guy that, that all these teams passed on, and then all of a sudden the Cowboys are genius uh, drafters. They were when, when Parcells was there, but I haven't seen anything since. Going into this game, they're playing Washington. There's a lot of hoopla in Washington, too, this year. You've got Shanahan taking over as coach. He's a flamboyant coach, you know, very outspoken. Um, you've got a new quarterback, which, you know, whether you like McNabb or you don't like McNabb, this is the best quarterback Washington has had in probably a decade. So there's a lot of excitement there. All right, well, but here's the counterpoint, which is if there's two positions where you need continuity or three positions offensive line which we've talked about this week coaching which we talked about a lot last week where in college first year coaches are a fade because of higher expectations and and lower performance but wouldn't that be the case somewhat in the nfl and then quarterback and again you got a new quarterback in a new system whatever washington ends up being in week nine can we agree they're probably relatively going to be less in week one? It's a great segue to me telling what my play is here. All right, so you have an official prediction. We on have this a game. prediction on this game. People are going to look at this game, and again, you're going to hear me all year long talk about John Q. Public, how they think. And they're going to look and they're going to say three of the last four matchups between Dallas and Washington were decided by four points or less. Washington's a home dog. Sunday night football, new coach, new quarterback, that's going to create a lot of excitement. So that John Q. Public's going to think this is a very live dog and they're going to be on this side, I feel. I do say Dallas is overrated. I don't think they deserve to be the favorite to win the uh, I think NFC. both teams are overrated. But for continuity, Dallas is what they are. It's basically the same team as last year. They know what they're doing. Washington's going to have some growing pains. And let's not forget, Donovan McNabb did not get a full preseason because of injury to work with this offense. So they're not going to be hitting on all cylinders yet. Learning Shanahan's system and McNabb getting used to the, to the team, this is an advantage week one that i got to look at Dallas. If this game was four weeks from now, I'd look at it totally different. But in week one, i got to lean to Dallas. And what's your projection? 23-17. Okay, I agree. Both teams are overrated. I think this is a terrible spot for Washington. I would have a slight lean towards Dallas. One last point, Cowboys have played well early. I mean, up until last year, there was a lot of talk about how poorly they played in December. But, but now they've won 9 of 12 ATS in September, which I think, again, speaks that this is a team built for the early season typically, which makes the Super Bowl odds all the more uh, confusing to me. Okay, now it's your turn to get involved. You can continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and I. And next up, we're talking Monday Night Football, Ravens-Jets. 
Ravens at Jets, Monday Night Football. Marco, what should betters be looking at in this game? Well, the public, public, talking heads again, think that this could be the AFC Championship preview. A lot of hype with both of these teams coming in. I think the hype deserves one of the teams, not both of them. Is deserved by one of the teams. So which team is deserves it? Well, coming in here, I think Baltimore definitely is the real deal. They showed what they did last year. They're two years. This team, you've seen the progression. You saw Flacco in his rookie year, what he did. Um, you know, they gave him the keys to the car, but don't wreck it. Last year, they, they let him drive. You know, this Flacco stuff, <laughs> you know, it, it really makes me wonder... I was listening. I don't know how many fans of The Wire there are out there. I think most of our sports betting demographic probably like The Wire. And someone said that once they watched the fifth season where there was a newspaper uh, was a theme, they had worked in newspapers. And they said, you know, I always thought The Wire was authentic, but they were so wrong about the newspapers that I wonder if they were wrong about the other things like the drugs and and the politicians that they talked about. I understand this Ravens team as well, I think, as I'm in the you know, top percentile or whatever. The fact that these talking heads are so wrong about this Ravens team makes me wonder how wrong they are about other things that I don't know that much about. <laughs> is Last year, it was a big conversation, is Flacco's regression. And it was a big conversation how they can't win with, with, with this guy being the key to their, to their performance. And I'll tell you right now is if you look at the way this team played, other than that 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 iconic win against New England, which was such a domination that it sticks in people's minds, I mean, this is a team that that I guess to say they overperformed last year or that the offense was great. I think the fact that the Ravens have spent massive amount of energy, draft picks, all this stuff on receivers and offense. I mean, if they felt good about this offense, this defense is getting old. The secondary is, is, is in shambles. Why were they spending so much energy on offense if this is such an offensive juggernaut? Well, the situation is, is and we talked about this uh, you know, at lunch today before taping, the Baltimore Ravens, for the last 10 years, when you said Baltimore Ravens... I, I get it. Def- it's not defense anymore. My question is, is it offense? It what is. Have, what, what's, the sh- what's the example of that? This it's, team it's an all-star scored. team. It's an all-star team. Oh, it's like a fan. This is like the Knicks under Isaiah. Let, let, get Hushmanzada. Let's get the Bolden. Let's get these cast off. These these guys. People are cutting. It's It's funny because we got the two teams. Lt. The the San Diego doesn't want, but he's going to make a difference with the Jets. The Steelers cut fast. Willie Parker he can't even make the Redskins team. This idea that you. This is what the Redskins have done is they have the all-star team from five years ago, and they think that somehow the name, you know, let's get Terry Bradshaw back to quarterback. I mean, what is it that this Baltimore team's done on offense? Baltimore last year was scoring. They scored many games where they had 30 points. Where Against the, the worst old- team. They, see, that's exactly the point. It was like week six, and everyone was, and, and I think you were on this bandwagon, how great this team is. That They've got the defense, but they finally have the offense. But how did it end up? This was a team that in the second half of the year was like five. If you, if you take away that start, they were a 500 team. And now you throw in a bunch of old receivers that are either cut or cast off. And then you've got a weaker de- The defense is a year older. And in the secondary, the injuries are causing major problems. 
I, I got to tell you, I actually have the, the official prediction on this, and I'm going to give it right now. The funny thing is the way I'm ranting about Baltimore <laughs> is I do believe this is the lesser of two evils. I think the Jets are crazily overrated. I think Baltimore is just overrated. I also think the one weakness the Baltimore has, or the main weakness, is their secondary, and injuries have something to do with that. But the Jets can't exploit it, and that's not something. With Sanchez. So, so uh, well, let, let me give my quick prediction. You can talk about Sanchez. I'm going Baltimore 21, Jets 20. But I'm telling you right now, I'm looking at this Baltimore team to fade, and I'm looking at this Jets team to fade. But I'll talk about that just a little bit more. But, but give me some thoughts on Sanchez. Well, the thing has been with quarterbacks, and again, we disagree with Flacco because I thought Flacco had an excellent year last year. I expected Flacco to have a regression last year, which most quarterbacks, you know, when you're, they're thrown in there at that rookie season and you get, you know, they have decent success, you expect more the second year. And so often they regress because what happens is coaches now know how they've got game film on them in the pros. So they game plan them a little bit differently. They see what defenses worked against them last year and what confused them, and then they use it against them, where the first year, you know, you don't know. It's like a pitcher in baseball. A pitcher has an advantage over the hitters the first time around the league because you don't know how to prepare for it. I expect Sanchez to have a regression this year, and the Jets need Sanchez to put some points on the board. It's almost like we're looking at opposite teams here. The Jets right now are the Baltimore Ravens from five or seven years ago. A solid defense that's going to struggle to get points. You know, you just want the defense not to lose a game for you. But again, Holmes and and LT and these cast-offs, I mean, Steelers give up Holmes for a fifth-round pick. Steelers don't make a lot of bad decisions. Who knows Holmes better than the Steelers? Right, so I who knew LT better than San Diego? But you're telling me somehow the Jets are going to have trouble scoring, but Baltimore's got a juggernaut offense. I, I, I what's the difference? It, it it seems like the same team. You've got an inexperienced quarterback, and here's my challenge to you. We're going to talk about continuing the conversation in the comments section. I want you to jump in, and I want you to throw up a Flacco stats in competitive games. Who cares when they're up 30? I want to know in games where the point spread was six or less, I want you to just give me some of his stats because I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see this performance. I've watched The Steelers have picked on him like a redheaded stepchild, this guy. <laughs> I mean, remember when, Dick, when Dixon was, was quarterbacking and, and the game was at Baltimore? They were, they, were, they, were ta- they were baiting him to throw the ball. They were, but in all honesty, how many Baltimore Ravens games – have you watched other than when they played the Steelers? Well, I, I mean, I certainly have watched not as many games as I've watched Steeler games, but I, I, because I hate the Ravens as a Steelers fan, I do find myself watching these games. And I can tell you, I, I'm a pessimist about the Steelers. While I'll be scared that the other team's doing things right, I just don't see what Baltimore's... A hardball, people say he's a good coach. Maybe this team's going to have great success for a decade. But this Flacco specifically has not shown me. He's an average. I'm not saying he's below average. I'm not saying that they should cut him. I'm saying he's average at best. But again, do you accept the challenge to throw some stats I'll, up in I'll the comment do, section? I'll do the research for you, sir. All I right, will. Let, let me see if there's anything else. Go ahead. The, the other thing that I will point out, you know, we are a betting show and we talk about things to look at as a better. This game moved off a key number early. The Jets came out as a three-point favorite 
and has dipped to two and a half. For a Monday night game that's going to get a lot of action, to move off a key number this early, that, that's a huge move, and I've really got to respect that move. And again, let's talk about the way we think these things through. Early action is wise guy action. More often than not, wise guy action. Uh, 99% of the time is wise guy action. And there's two kinds of moves, getting ahead of the public or a legitimate move. I can't imagine that there's going to be more Baltimore public action than Jets public action after hard knocks, New York being the bigger market. So this feels like a legitimate move to me. Absolutely. That's why I brought it up. Good point. (laughs) One other thing here. Whatever these teams are going to end up being, I think they're both overrated, they're probably going to be better later than they are now. The Jets have all these new pieces on offense. So do Baltimore. There's got to be an integration period for both of these teams. And, and I think that, that though I do believe they're, they're, they're very overrated now and they're probably going to stay overrated, I do think that they're underperforming likely early because of the new players and will get better. So if you are looking to fade Baltimore or the Jets, I would say earlier is better than later in the season. Which only presents a problem when they're playing each other in the first week. Hey, I'm anxious. <laughs> Whoever wins this game, I'm really going to look to fade them next week because the perception on Monday night is going to be, all right, we got a strong team here. Okay, now it's your turn to get into the conversation. You can continue it in the comments section with Marco and I. And that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more information worth betting.